CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They make it really easy to get great tasting Mexican food. You can stop by any one of their three convenient locations, Capitol Hill, U District, Wallingford, or you can order through Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. You can also text RBT to the number 474747 and you'll get deals on tacos, burritos, and more. All of the information is in the show notes. Hells yes. That's super cool. Hells yes. So you write a whole ton. Yeah. Like, how many words do you think you have written? Oh, good heavens. Is, have you ever had that question? I have never had that question. I, you know, it, it, it may well be somewhere in the, in the hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions. I mean, I honestly, I've been writing kind of, you know, semi-professionally for about 10 years now. So you really like writing. I do. I, it's kind of, it's, well, like it's my just, passion. Does it come easy to you? It depends. It, you, you just, you never know. And it, you, you actually, one of your podcasts about creativity, like earlier in, like, I think sometime last year made the wheels in my head turn when it comes to this. I, there are certain things that writing about them will just tumble out of you. Um, since I, a lot of what I'm writing is, is kind of review work and kind of critical analysis, I guess. The idea is to write creatively about how a, a piece of art is affecting you. And sometimes that will literally just tumble out. I've had some of the best pieces I've written have come to me like I've literally in like almost a fever dream in like two hours. And then there hmm. are others where there is like so much agonizing tinkering that goes along. I, I'm not really... I'm not much of a you know, create pieces and then cobble them together. I'm kind of a basher. I have to I have to basically kind of engineer it from beginning to end and once I get the introduction and the establishing, you know, kind of tone of what I'm writing about, then it all kind of falls into place for me. It like makes its own pattern, I guess yeah. as it were. Uh, so uh, yeah, it sometimes I mean, yeah, so long story short, sometimes it comes super quick and sometimes uh, it, it just it, it feels like you're pulling teeth out with a rusty set of pliers. <laughs> Man, writing to me is the most torturous thing. Oh, it is. Even those of us who love doing it. Again, lapsed Catholic, a little so bit there, of masochism in there. I don't envy very many things. I envy, uh, I envy people who can play the drums. Oh God, me too. Like that is like I would rather play the drums than play the guitar. It's like there is such a staggering amount of coordination that has to happen with yeah. even the, even a bare bones competent drummer. There's right. so much they're doing. Absolutely. And I can't do it. Can't do it. Um and then I envy people who have good knees. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I have I've Baby Jesus dis he did not want me to have good knees. He skimped on the knee department. He yeah, did. Yeah. I've not had good knees ever, really. Since I, ever since I was eighteen. My condolences, because that's that would not be cool. <coughs> I um, you're not the only person I know who's afflicted with, you know, the poor the short end of the stick on the on the knee thing. Yeah, it's like how hard is it? Like, <laughs> baby Jesus, like, come on. Pretty please with sugar on top. It's like, even if you did give me crappy knees, then I ruined this one. <sighs> like, you can't. Do you see? It's, look, you see how I can bend this one? Yes. Oh. 
It's not it's not fun, folks. No. I have mega arthritis in Ooh. in both knees. And I envy people who can write. Like I think if I could do uh one of those three things, I would be the world's third richest man. <laughs> I'll bet you would. You have enough drive to where you could do it. I'm a, I'm a lousy self-promoter. I am a horrible, horrible self-promoter. I love writing, and I'm at the point right now where I think I'm pretty capable at it. But I, you know, as far as pimping my wares, I'm really, I'm really not good at it. See, that's why all. you need me. There you go. That's why I'm here in your podcast, Carlos. <laughs> I'm going to be hitting you up for this stuff. Actually, today, uh, before I before before the show, I went and took some portraits of a. Just a really good artist. He's been on the show, Evan Peterson. Mm. He paints on um, reclaimed windows. That's his main medium. That's very cool. And he gifted me this amazing painting, which I love. Is that the one that you showed me in your Yeah, year? it's an Indian. Yeah. It's a Sioux Indian. Very cool. Um, I need to figure out where I'm going to hang that. But he's full artist and he's a mega drummer. So, boom, two things that I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and he can do them. And he does them expertly. <sighs> but horrible self-promoter. He has so there's uh there's an art museum in Oregon that wants to give him his own exhibition. Oh wow. And I I'm trying to help him come up with marketing ideas, but he mm. just does not like to self-promote. It's well, it's really, you know, it's really hard. And you know what? I'll blame Catholicism for this again, because the whole credo of Catholicism is to be humble. You're no big deal. You know, it's, uh, you know, don't don't make waves. Don't don't draw attention to yourself. And that's yeah. and you you need to kind of be the antith- antithesis of that. If you're, you know, if you are creating art and you yeah. want people but to get That's why it. you have friends that aren't Catholic. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have those. Thank you. you. uh, Hangups, if you will. There you go. But yeah, you know, but as as far as I mean, I anybody who is a creative person, whatever their stripe, I think there's an element of you have to do it anyway. Yeah, you have to do it. I mean, there's you know, I have plenty of scraps of stuff that is like that are like looking to find the light of day that I literally just bashed out, not even intending or really even thinking it would have a home. So when you write something. Okay, I'm going to ask some super dumb questions. No, that's okay. It's like, where do you start is the crazy thing. That's what I, that's where my, mm -hmm. I have a really good friend. His name is Levi. He writes, uh, he's a prolific writer on Mm -hmm. uh, photography, photography education. Oh, yeah. He's he's done lynda.com classes. He's done. Oh, wow. He's done uh, um, workshops and. Every, like all over the world. And he writes a ton. He writes, he's written thousands of articles about mm-hmm. stuff. And I talk to him almost every day and I come up with these questions and these scenarios. And the first thing that he usually says is write an article about it. I'm like, I can't <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like how to, even in my own experience, like how to, uh, you know, how to talk to a model, mm-hmm. how to shoot film, how to develop film, mm-hmm. how to fire a customer. Like I've had to fire clients ah. <clears throat> because it's just not working. Yeah. 
like how to do that. And like, I have all of these things and he tells me write a three paragraph article Mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. And if you do that three times a month, I will pay you to do it. (laughs) And I just can't do it. I just can't. I just, it's like I sit down to start doing it and it, it, I, just, I just can't do it. My, my, uh, Lori let, well, I'm pretty sure I was pretty torturous to her at first because I didn't go to college until I was, uh, um, like 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. I didn't start going to college. Mm-hmm. I finally did graduate. It took me, six and a half years, Mm -hmm. but writing papers were the, it was just so painful. Well, that's, that's a different type of writing too, though. If you're doing, if you're doing like papers for college, that tends to be, there's so much emphasis on the academic that, uh, it, it, it's kind of a different animal. Uh, but to kind of get back to your observation of like getting started, like starting a piece. Yeah. I, you know, there's, it's really funny. I guess I've been doing it for so long. There's not a real magic bullet for me. Well, here, I'm going to interrupt you again. Of course. Do you have a library of all the stuff you've written? No. That is horrible. I mean, I have links, you know, because I have authors pages on, on a bunch of these, uh, on a bunch of these websites, but I don't really have, I mean, it's again, self-promotion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got, you know, probably 10 years worth of writing about film and music that's stashed away on various websites and in a couple of periodicals. But not on any of your own drives. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've, you know, I've got the obligatory, I've got the, you know, the word pieces or the pages pieces or whatever on my hard drive. But as far as like one place where human beings besides myself can, can peruse them. No. Would you want to have it all centralized? I could, I could see doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That's so funny. Cause again, my friend, Evan, mm-hmm. uh, he's taking pictures of all of the paintings he's done mm-hmm. for the last, you know, 20 years. Mm. And, um, he would use just his point and shoot cameras yeah. to take pictures of yeah. all these except for the fact that he would buy like 500 megabit cards or one gig cards. Oh, wow. I mean, that's super low. I don't yeah, know how, yeah, yeah, how exactly. techie nerdy you are. So the, a few months ago, he gave me this card. He gave me this, uh, like, I don't know, pouch. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is about 30 memory cards that has pictures of, my library of mm-hmm. the images that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> and then I backed them all up. And then he has about 80 gigs worth of content. Oh, wow. Spread out on less than one gig Jeez. memory cards. Oh, my heavens. And I'm the only one who has a archive of, his, of what he's of done his stuff. Wow. And just me being a little bit more on the techie side and because I can't do all of this stuff, it's like, you should have a complete archive. You should have a mini server in your home of my stuff that has all of your stuff cataloged 
so that you can go back and easily see yeah. what you've done. I it's yeah, it's really interesting to think about that because I this kind of gets into the broader notion of just you know, why are we on the earth, you know? I mean, not to be all pretentious and stuff, but I mean, I think putting letters into words and putting words into sentences and sentences into paragraphs and paragraphs into like some cohesive story. I think that's my gig. That's, that's why I got spit out on this chunk of earth. I think, well, I guess the question as I'm thinking here, mm -hmm. do you care about that? I, you know, I think there's an element of, I mean, and this may get back to the fact that I, I've, I have no children. I've never had kids. Um, so I think maybe there's some sort of inclination to want to immortalize somehow your little thumbprint on this planet. And that's kind of, so I've been, th actually, this is something I've been thinking about lately because I used to write for, uh, access, uh, access, the, uh, the big megalithic entertainment site used to be the examiner. And I used to be, I used to cover concerts. I was the Seattle concerts examiner. And for about three or four years, I wrote pieces for them and, uh, they, took it all down. So there's like three or four years worth of writing that I did for that. So when site. you wrote for them, mm -hmm. what did you write on? That was, it, that was, I was mostly covering live shows here in well, Seattle. No, but like physically, where did, what was oh. that written on? Um, well, it was like, it was almost like having your own blog because you could like log in and actually oh, like so you put wrote the it, entries in there. You wrote it on their platform. I usually platform. did. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it on their platform. And so at one point, okay. like a year or two ago, they were just like, okay, we're done. And I had stopped writing for them because they weren't paying as much as other people that yeah. I was writing for. <laughs> so well, I, I mean, some of it has to do with also like how much do you care? Yeah, I mean, and I, I you know, I mean, the thing is, because if I go back and look at my, uh, so for my uh, picture catalog, mm -hmm. like, I mean, I've been taking pictures for a super super long time, but I only have like. 30,000 pictures in my library in mm -hmm. my in my complete catalog. Oh wow. And that's nothing. If you've been shooting for a long time especially, yeah. Yeah, yeah like I, like my colleagues who've been shooting for the same amount of time whereas I have, you know, what what did I say 30 to 40? 30,000, yeah. I have 30, they have like 500,000. <laughs> and then we start talking about that where I delete a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like if I just don't like it, I'll just delete it. And some people just don't delete at all. But overall, what I'm trying to say here is like, wouldn't it be super cool if you had like a catalog of all of the stuff you wrote? And the reason that I'm putting that I'm even saying this is because I that's like a uh, I'm not gifted in that way. And if I did, if I mm -hmm. did have that gift to be able to write like, heck yeah, I would keep all that. <laughs> I, well, you know and I mean? I can't, I, I can't deny. I mean, I like, uh, you know, for me, uh, it's, I, I, there's an element of ego to it, but also part of it is I have been writing about a very specific period in Northwest music history. Okay. And having some sort of like historic footprints of some of those things. It's just, it just, it seems like it would be nice to have. It's, it seems like it's, it would be a nice document of the things that I slash we collectively were experiencing in the first, you know, 15 to 20 years of the century. 
the first question that comes to my mind is like, who else is doing this? Yeah, exactly. Like, so who's your arch nemesis in the writing game? My arch nemesis. I, <laughs> I don't, I'm really, I, I don't, I don't tend to, I, I'm very lucky because I think we live in, at least with the Seattle writing scene, there really isn't a lot of that kind of sort of backstabby competitive stuff. I mean, it, it really honestly feels like everyone's very super supportive of one another. I consider myself to be my own competition. You know, that's kind of how I, and also I, I think if you are, if you do anything a little differently than everyone else, you tend to feel less affected by the outside world. And so for me, for better or for worse, as you could probably tell already, I am a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more wordy than most <laughs> than most of the people who are writing about film and music. Well, you're wordy and beating around the bush of who your arch nemesis is. Well, I I don't you know <laughs> I have no I honestly I honestly don't have an answer for that. I mean you know there are other writers who have gotten further than me that I you know because of their you know a combination of their talent and their drive you know so I would imagine there's probably a little bit of envy in there, but I you know I mean I honestly. And this gets kind of back to the the whole like self-promotion slash, you know, whatever, uh, is that I get an enormous amount of fulfillment writing what I write and writing it the way that I write it. And I, uh, you know, I mean, I I'll do what everyone else does in terms of maybe a little bit of financial envy. <laughs> but but, you know, as far as, uh, you know, as far as you know, what I'm creating and how I'm creating it, what I'm writing about and how I'm writing it, I I tend to not compare myself to other people. Well, that's good. In general, that's a good thing. And actually, I was uh, talking to someone about that the other day of why are you comparing yourself? That's that's like that's a lose lose. It's yeah, it's and it's and it's you know, I would imagine that for musicians and for other like artists who are doing more. I mean, I write creatively about stuff that I experience and like. Yeah. There are people who write creatively, period. You know, and What's I do your, a little bit of that, but what do you prefer, film or music? I it's very much apples and oranges for me. I think I've been into film a lot longer. A film was like the thing that really there comes a point where if you're a real big film fan, at least this was where it was for me. It's like you're inspired to either want to create film or to want to write about it. That was what it was for me. Uh, and it's so interesting you say that. Yeah. Because I'm the other one. Really? Yeah. Well, so I wrote a screenplay of a short movie that I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I had it cast, but my actors moved. Ah, the nerve. So one of the, one of the things that I do is that I tell, I send my, I sent my screenplay to about six people that they're not writers. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why I sent it to them. And then of course they film business people. No, I should probably send it to you. I'd be curious to read it. Throw up my way. It's boxing with, uh, it's, I don't know. I just made fun of, uh, this is us for being a tearjerker. <laughs> and you wrote a tearjerker. Yeah. I said, I may have oh, yeah. a tearjerker. I should, would you want to read it? It's literally only five pages. I'm curious. Yeah. I think I can make way. it relatively easily. Mm-hmm. I just need the, the problem is that it, the two main actors have to be a very specific look. Very specific type. Yeah. Yeah. But the rest of like, I think I could do it relatively 
easily. I'll send it to you. Would you re- like literally it's six. It would take you oh, three minutes to sure. read it. I'd be happy to take a look at it. Actually. Okay. I'll send it to you. I'll send cool. it to you. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm the, what, what you just said where filmmaker film. Yeah. Writer. Like I, when I watch a movie and especially if you watch a movie with my buddy, Dan, who's mm-hmm. been on the show, uh, Danny Mala. Yeah. He's a sound guy. Yes. He's a sound engineer. So we've seen a few movies together and we both drive our women crazy <laughs> because he comments on why they messed up the audio. Ah, and I comment on why is that color graded that way? (laughs) You're seeing it through the prism of your experiences, man. Exactly. Yeah. Because I love to color grade. Yeah. And then he's only focused on the sound. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's where we're coming from. And then you're like, if the three of us got together, It would ex- the building would explode. There could there could be a potential because you would say, "What is all this exposition <laughs> that's going well, nowhere?" I, you know, it's interesting that you say that though, because I really one of the things I really try hard to do if I'm like writing about a movie is I or, or an album, anything, any piece of art that someone's created that I'm writing about. What I really try to do is just experience it the first time through. Just watch it, listen to it, and just let it do what it's trying to do. Right. And then after that, for me is where it kind of, it, it goes into the More critical that, that sort of dissection process. You know, why is it working? You know, what are the things that are working? What are the things that are not working? I mean, I, you know, when you write about, in, in my case, when you write about film, there's an element of a structure that's sort of inbuilt in my head when I'm writing about it. I will write an introduction that kind of summarizes my overall feelings about what I've just seen. I will summarize said film. I will try to accentuate any positives about the film before I launch into negatives and then kind of recap at the end. I mean, if you really, really break break it all down, that's usually what it comes down to for right. me when I'm writing about a film. And most of the time, I will not engage in that process until after I've experienced the whole thing. Uh, and that's always been, that's always been something that I've always kind of tried to hold. Well, that seems a to. genuine way to go well, about it. Exactly. You know, cause I mean, one of the, th- one of the reasons why I love writing about film and music is because it's a way of articulating the experience that you, it, it's an, it's a way of articulating what you are feeling and what this piece of art is drawing out of you. Hmm. And like my favorite, like, music writing, film writing, critical writing is when you have an element of the writer's personality in there. You know, it's not just, this is a good movie. It's, you know, I was, I, you know, I'll I'll use an example for me. I was dealing with a pretty traumatic breakup and I went into a movie theater and I sat down and watched La La Land um, in the throes of, uh, of, of this breakup. (laughs) And it's, and, and, I that's really recent. Yeah, I, this is well, it's recent dish a couple years ago. Um, but I, when I sat down and watched that film and I came, I actually haven't written any, anything about it, but it's one of those experiences where I I probably should at some point. I sat down and I was in a relationship that had split up. 
with a really wonderful person who I'm actually still good friends with. But at the time, there was all that emotional turmoil. Mm. And this film, with its combination of sentimentality and like technical, technical virtuosity, too much wine, thank you, um, it really powerfully moved me. And I, I, I found, love that. And I found myself really, and, and I've had that, I've had that experience a few times. You know, I, there's a really great um, local musician slash producer. His name's Eric Blood. And I will plug Ooh, him. That's a good I, name. I think he's, and that's his real given name. Um, but he put out an amazing solo record that's equal parts kind of techno and sort of shoegazer and psychedelia. Um, that record happened to come along during this breakup. And I wrote a piece for Artist Home about that record and about how it affected me. And it mm. started out just writing about the the record itself because he put it out on vinyl with a gatefold with um, album-sized slicks that had lyrics, gorgeous artwork, just the most beautifully appointed um, packaging. And then it was, and then I was interviewing him a little bit online, and then I interviewed the artists a little bit online, and I was going through this breakup, and the music was moving me really powerfully, and I, I saw him play live, which was a truly transcendental experience. And that piece, it hasn't been super read a lot, but it's one of my favorites because when I read it, I look at it, and I'm not just looking at extolling the praises of this really great piece of art. Right. I am seeing a direct window to how it made me feel at the time. Sure. And if you can deliver that experience to somebody in a fashion that makes them want to experience that art, then my work is done. Exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I, and that's, I, I come from a standpoint of being an advocate more than anything. I mean, when I write about, I, I haven't written about a disappointing or bad Northwest rock record in a long time. And that's very deliberate on my part because sure. I, I, first of all, there's only so much time you're going to want to waste on bad things. And second, and most importantly of all, I, you know, I really like being an advocate for artists whose work I think is really valuable and matters and, and needs a wider audience. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Especially, <clears throat> well, coming from the, from the, from the, uh, photographer's point of view i'll relate it to that yeah. where when i make a picture that is intended for a broad viewing yeah. right like because i take a lot of pictures that are just intended for you like if i'm yeah. doing your headshot it's just mm -hmm. you and i but if i make a picture that's intended for broad viewing if someone looks at it and i'm like and they don't give they're like eh, that's crushing yeah absolutely i would rather have them say God, that's you. You want some sort it's of horrible. Yeah, you want some sort of like reaction. You want it to stir some sort of exactly. reaction in somebody. Yeah, like, I, I want. I hear you. I want a hot or cold, because yeah. if it's if it's in the middle, it's that's not, not at all what I was trying to do. Because exactly. anybody can make can make a middle of the road picture. Yes. I want something for you to say. You know what? This is the worst picture I've ever seen in your life. Yeah. That or is this far is amazing. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, pretty much. And the difference here 
and why I think that writing is so much cooler. I, actually, I think that writing is way cooler than what I do. I don't know about that. Because, like, the, taking a picture is 80% technical. It's 80%. But this is the thing. That 20% is absolutely crucial, though. And I would argue this. I do a little bit of photography myself, not as seriously as you. I kind of, by default, started actually doing a lot of band photography just because I was writing a lot of pieces about yeah. music. And I it was like, what do I illustrate this with? The same old publicity photo that the band's label put out? Right. Or do I go to a live show, buy this band, and take some pictures? You know, I mean, I've got a decent-sized archive of local bands so that when I write about them, I've got, I've got photos to that illustrate. Cool. I mean, it's just, and that was just by necessity. But I can relate to the fact that yeah, it is 80% technical. There's a, there's an aspect, there's a mathematical aspect of, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not, I, I basically use a point and shoot. I don't use, I, I don't work a lot with apertures and filters You're and right. things like that. But there is a huge element of the technical to it. And there is also, uh, there is also an element of the, of your eye to it sure, of course you know and, and even if it's you know it sounds numbingly simple to say this but if you are holding the camera and you're pointing it at a certain thing a certain way you are expressing yourself you are you are uh you're kind of imposing and and inputting your view of that thing you're photographing agreed but my deviation here is that in any given event mm -hmm. you have hundreds if not thousands of options mm -hmm. because you take tons of pictures yeah you don't have that when you write an article you don't have article 1a the, to choose yeah. article 2a or 2b yeah click here yeah it's like you have your one shot to captivate yeah whereas in with a visual medium mm -hmm. you have the ability to uh bombard people with uh with what you're well, trying to with what you're trying to do well yeah I, yeah I, but i mean that just kind of that's kind of a construct of the type of art that you're creating anyway i mean it's you know um any sort of visual art whether it's photography or whether it's you know painting or drawing or whatever is going to have a component of uh, of uh, connecting on a subconscious level Whereas I think um, with writing, it is easier to go into a more analytical and academic place. And I do try to, I, I actually, I, I'd like to think that I balance that when I'm writing about stuff. Yeah. I mean, because I really, I, you know, I, getting deep into the geek weeds is fun when you're a geek. Right. But the idea is to balance between preaching to the converted and actually being able to draw somebody else in somebody who's right. not an initiate in, <laughs> which is it's funny that I'm thinking about this, which is why I love talking probably more than all of this <laughs> because there's been a whole, uh, like, so I mean, podcasting is super popular now, Yeah, but I think I'm a really big fan of the long form conversation. Oh, I agree. I because agree. You can't, I mean, I, and I don't want to get political here or anything, but I don't watch any new shows. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely lean a certain way. Like I have definite beliefs in a certain way, Yeah. but I don't watch any of their content. 
Mm-hmm. Like I don't watch anything. I read a ton yeah. from a bunch of different sources. But the main reason that I don't watch anything is because it is impossible to articulate your point in a five minute segment when you have three other people plus a moderator talking over like it just does that is impossible you can't do that so i really like the ability to have these you know podcasts or youtube channels or whatever it is because if someone has an opinion about something and it is a for the sake of this conversation, we'll call it a conviction, mm-hmm. right? A, 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 a true belief. Yeah. There's probably many reasons why they believe that way. Yeah. And you can't do that in you can't, a five minute sound. You bite. can't do that in a five minute sound bite. Exactly. So I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan. Yeah. Like I have Joe Rogan's microphone. <laughs> and, and I just love the way that how he, uh, puts people on who he might not agree with, who mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. But it's funny if you go back and look, the people who have the most interesting, um, complete conversations, they're two plus hours long. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like even the conversation that he had with Jack Dorsey from Twitter. Mm. Like, have you, uh, have you, are you, are you a episode. Joe Rogan fan? I, I like him a lot. I haven't actually listened, ironically, to any of his podcasts. So Joe Rogan, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, he had on Jack Dorsey, the CEO mm-hmm. of Twitter. Mm-hmm. And he, Joe wasn't fully educated on Twitter's practices of how they suppress speech. Mm. And he had on Jack Dorsey and sort of gave, like, he was giving him softball questions. Yeah. And Joe got tons of criticism because he said, you did not ask him about this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, because there are tons of examples of how Twitter has suppressed speech. Yeah. So, uh, and Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, Mm -hmm. has balls because he came back on joe show mm-hmm. with his although he did come back with his like vice president of policy or, <laughs> i don't know something mm-hmm. and joe had on one of the main writers his name is tim pool i believe mm-hmm. who just writes a lot about his main thing is writing about twitter's hypocrisy mm-hmm. so that was a like three hour conversation. Yeah. And it's like, it was just super interesting because you can't, and I'm not uh, saying uh, I'm, I'm not debating here nor there. I'm just saying that if you really want to have a conversation, it's not going to take place in, you know, five to 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, exactly. And There's, I, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I, and I think this may be because we're both, over the age of 30 <laughs> we're not millennials uh there's there is something the worst there is something to be said i actually feel a fair amount of kinship for millennials but that's why? a that's a whole nother story why uh because they are getting the fuzzy end of the lollipop in this world they will never own a house they will never um there are a lot of experiences that they're not going to be allowed to have 
because of the constructs of the government that was created by the baby boomers way back in the 70s and not to get political. I'll agree with uh, 60% of that. Yeah. I think the baby boomers messed up this country a big, yeah, a we lot can, of. Yeah, we can, we can definitely not to hurl blame at a generation. No, but. I mean, but I mean, but it's so the baby boomers, their worldview was the depression. Well, that would have been the view of their parents. Well, their that that was their immediate experience. Well. Yeah, if we're talking the baby boomers, that was post World War Two. Well, they were like they were born in the sixties or fifties. Yeah, they would have been mostly, you know, we're talking I forget yeah. what the exact So their parents yeah. were telling them, you know, we were eating dirt. Yeah, yeah. And it was the first time in this country where there was an element of prosperity and an element of idealism about the future because we had just won the war. We had defeated Hitler. We were, you know, we were the greatest, you know, nation on the planet. Yeah. And, and we procreated like bunnies <laughs> <laughs> right, right after World War II. Yeah. It's, yeah, this, I mean, yes, baby boomers, greatest generation. Yada, yada. Yeah. But <laughs> their grandkids are a bunch of pansies. Oh, tell me about it. Tell me about what you, it. How about this? I'm going to ask you something. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Because you're a writer and you are expressing your ideas, mm-hmm. what do you feel? About, how do you feel about all of these colleges giving, like, protecting these kids from all of these crazy ideas? It's such a slippery slope. I mean, it- it's, and well, and again, this gets into a whole broad, a much broader topic about art in general. Yeah. Well, which it's, yeah. I mean, if you want to get down to the, I don't know if this is the correct word, either macro or micro, but if you want to get to the 30,000 foot level, Mm -hmm. ultimately it's free speech. Yeah. Like ultimately, whether you are arguing for, for whether you are talking and want to uh, uh, educate on one side or the other. Yeah. Ultimately, this is a free speech conversation that we're having. Yes. As a writer and as someone who shares his ideas, whether it be about film music, I mean, it's 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 mm-hmm. the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you're still sharing. Yeah. It's still sharing your ideas. Yeah. Isn't it bonkers that these colleges are. Like, I, Tony, you wrote. OK, this is me. This is this mm-hmm. is college. Carlos. OK. okay. Tony, five years ago, you wrote an article that said that whatever. I don't think you should be able to speak at our college because you did not like X, Y, or Z. Yeah. That should be terrifying to anyone who. It is. I mean, it's and again, it's a really super slippery slope because I think everybody. uh, I think that so much positive positive outcome has come from things like the me too movement and so much of what's going on right now, there's an increased social awareness that I think is an absolutely important and crucial thing for our evolution culturally, but it's a very slippery slope because 
not every piece of art that is created is going to be 110% palatable to everyone. And so sometimes sometimes you kind of have to look that in the eye. You know, I mean, sometimes you have But what to, should happen, though? What should happen? Like, should it be outlawed? I, yeah, I, I again, slippery slope. My, my default is usually free speech. I mean, I really, I really, you know, free and total expression. But again, it's a slippery slope because. But you, haven't we been saying this for decades? Yes, we have. We've been probably saying it for a century or two. It's like it, it is an eternal universal debate. And it's there's not a real clear answer. To <laughs> I'll, it, ad- I'll, I'll admit something on this podcast. I don't think I've said ever. Oh, wow. Scoop. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Have I said this before? I don't think I have. I am. Uh, I am. I'm trying to say this. I am pretty much the most conservative person in Seattle. Oh, wow. But I believe that you can say whatever you want to whoever you want. Mm -hmm. If you're a business owner, you can set your own rules as long as they follow current law. And it just seems to me that a lot of people want to suppress what other people say or do. And I'll give you a, this might be a bad example, but it, it's just to, to, just to circle it back to me personally. Mm-hmm. You look on my bookshelf there. <clears throat> that purple book, the fourth from the left. The Maplethorpe book, yeah. He, I love that guy. Are you familiar with oh, Robert absolutely. Maplethorpe? Yeah, absolutely. He is one of my absolute favorite artists of all time. Yeah. Next to Hellman Newton, next to Annie Leibovitz, next to Ansel Adams. Mm-hmm. I even have a book there from a dude named, from a dude who did a bunch of uh, Sports Illustrated bikini models called Sirens. It's pretty hey. cool. I love that. I have uh, a book here called Pin Up, which shows the evolution of like the pinups. The pinup girls. Oh, wow. But Robbo Maplethorpe just an absolute genius. And when his XYZ exhibition wanted to be shown in the Philadelphia art museum, mm-hmm. like conservatives went nuts. Yeah. They're like, ah, it's pornography. It's like, whatever. I completely disagree with that. Yeah. Completely disagree with that. And I think that is just super interesting that it's sort of the opposite now where it's like people who like liberal, colleges berkeley kent it is i you know it's a concerning trend because i think one of the points of being in a a university environment in a college environment is to have your perceptions challenged and to have them expanded exactly and if you're if you're creating a safe too much of a safety bubble. I think everybody's some, their need. Everyone needs to have a safe space. Then, but if it's too, if the if the, if the the shield protecting you from whatever bugs you or triggers you is too thick, 
then you are inuring yourself from, I think, a lot of crucial experiences then in life. Then life is going to absolutely kick you in the face. Yeah, yeah. And you aren't going to know. Here's another little stupid story that I like to tell. So <laughs> <laughs> when I was <laughs> when I was a kid back in Chicago, yeah, I used to work for a company that managed all of the IT for race uh, tracks. Mm-hmm. So in Chicago, the main racetracks are Sportsman's Park, Balmoral, um, a few other ones, like just horses, horses running. Yeah. And I started working there when I was a kid. And this was back when, uh, this was back like no in, like no internet for normal people, right? Uh, This was in the, uh, like late nineties. Yeah. What I used to do was go to work, take my own dial-up phone, unplug the server because <laughs> it was dial-up. Yeah. Unplug the server line and then plug it into my phone and then talk to my friends all night long <laughs> on my own phone. So what that meant was that if the I did it, I knew that the plug that I unplugged was the backup. Mm-hmm. What that meant was that if there had been any disruption in the main line, everyone's bets in the place where I was uh-huh. were not logged into oh. the main server. Ouch. Yeah, the super bad idea. Yeah. So I finally got <laughs> caught. I got caught. And then a 19-year-old Carlos walked into his boss's office and my boss, his name was Paul DeLeggi. He was this five foot four Italian guy. Yeah. In Cicero, he this like our offices were in Cicero, Illinois, mm-hmm. which Cicero is like as Italian mobster as you can get for Chicago. <laughs> this little five foot four dude, and I was like five, five ten. Mm-hmm. This little five foot four Italian dude would stand on his tippy toes. Point his finger. Well, he uh, for this particular time pointed his fingers in my face, call me every name conceivable, tell me how I was a complete worthless human being because I had made this huge mistake. Mm-hmm. And v- on top of that, this same guy said, No one is ever going to tell you you're doing a good job. No boss is ever going to tell you you're doing a good job because if they do tell you and you ask for a raise, they won't have a reason not to give it to you. (laughs) What kind of split tit on a bull logic is that? But that stuck with me. I, yeah. And what that did is that that created a attitude in me where I never ever expected kudos from any boss Mm -hmm. my kudos was just getting my paycheck yeah and the difference between that and now is like everyone wants a pat on the back yeah there's (laughs) there's very much i mean it's yeah but can you imagine can you imagine some millennial right now with this little tiny boss just reaming into him for like a good three (laughs) to five minutes straight on what a piece of utter crap you are and yeah. how you could have just destroyed everything and you're worthless. Yeah. And yeah, I was canned, obviously. 
but <laughs> it's so funny. Well, anyway, I don't want this to get too crazy. That's all right. Should we talk about CryptoCon? I yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I might split this up into two. Oh, I get a two-parter. Wow, rad. So I'm tempted though because either this can be a two-parter or I can just uh, do some magic editing. No. <laughs> This could be a two-parter. This could or, be an, this is the Gandhi of podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? I've been doing some research, and Gandhi was not a good guy. Yeah, like sex addict. Yeah, I've, so I've heard. Revisionist history is not too kind. When I needed updated content for my small business website, I was worried because I didn't have a very large marketing budget. But then I found Carlos at CZ Media. He gave me a budget-friendly quote and delivered the high-quality content I was looking for. I would recommend you check him out. All of his information is in the show notes. Crypticon, right? Should we talk about that? I would love to talk about it. Well, no, here's the thing. My thing is either we talk about it now, and this is a two-parter, or I do this as a one-parter and then just convince you to come back, come back and then we'll do before Crypticon. Okay. I yeah, that's because Crypticon yeah. is uh May May third, fourth, and fifth at the SeaTech Double Tree Lounge. We're staying there uh, all weekend. I am too. Yeah. This is the first we've been staying just one day. Mm-hmm. But I love the movies. But this is what I want to talk to you about. Because I don't want to go there and then just like, hey, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Because the expo, I never buy anything in the expo. Mm-hmm. Although, should we talk about the stuff that I have gotten at CryptoCon? I'm you. You've got some nifty stuff on the walls. What is? I could just imagine what your office looks like. I'm like I. You know, I've got some good stuff up, but I, a lot of the things that I have. I mean, I. I actually, I've been doing celebrity interviews for. Uh, this will be my eighth Crypticon, I think, going in this yeah. year. And I've got autographed question lists from everyone that I've interviewed. Did so. you do the panel for Boondock Saints? No, I did not. Are you sure? I'm. Oh, I, I would remember if I did a panel on Boondock Saints. No, I didn't. Who did that? That's it. Well, was that even at Crypticon? It was. Okay. Yeah. I. It was late at night and um, Norman... Norman Reedus. Yeah. Reedus mm-hmm. had someone come and had someone go and get a bottle of Jack. Oh. And then he poured people Jack in this in the in the pen. Well in we, the audience. When it gets to be later night panels, we've sort of done a similar thing. One of the key fashion accessories for the 2018 and 2017 Crypticon was a hip flask. All the cool kids had a hip flask, myself included. <sighs> Last <laughs> <laughs> I wish I really do wish I could smoke weed. <laughs> That's probably sixth. Uh just under just a few slots under being able to write a really good paragraph. As <laughs> being a I just can't do it. Ah. But I like edibles. Yes. And our I think mutual friend, Leah and David. Yeah. Have you had a Leah cookie? No, I have not. Do you like edibles? I am quite fond of them. Oh yes. my goodness. 
Oh my goodness. You know, that's a whole other podcast by itself. I, I think one of the things that I really like about legal weed is that for me at least, I love what weed does to film and music. Like your experience of it. If you're if you're doing the right type for me it's sativa. Sativa is the up weed, the creative weed, the the one that you can function on. Whereas indica is sativa. the nap weed. Yeah. I thought sativa was like a faux sugar. No. Like put sativa in my coffee, please. No. Uh that's stevia. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I I actually uh, I think that uh, weed does interesting and wonderful things to film and music. Yeah, I just wait. I could, I just can't do it. I've tried. I just can't. I just I would rather drink. Mm-hmm. I'm the I'm I mean I I enjoy obviously you know we've had quite a bit of wine already so we've far. had fun. Yes, it's I enjoy a, a good bottle of wine or a good drink, but I. When it comes to indulging chemically uh, in the context of experiencing things, I actually really like what sativa edibles and sativa weed in general do to a film or music experience. I always remember very clearly experiences, my experiences with film and with music if I happen to have been doing an edible or happen to have been practicing my okay. legal rights as a Washingtonian much more than drinking. Okay. We're like totally off on some crazy ass tangents here. This is great. You know, <laughs> you know that's why people say like, how long? It's like, I don't know. It's like, if I find you interesting, who knows? This could be hours. If I don't find you interesting, it then it's 45 minutes. Long. And it's like, okay, thanks. Good night. Well, we've we've been nattering on for quite a while, so I think this must be going okay. It I is for it. me. I'm digging it. <clears throat> well, that's good. <laughs> that's the point here. Although I am debating on air. I okay. It's not like this is live. <laughs> we do. I do want to talk about Crypticon. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But we're two hours in. Holy shit! When can you come back? I'm gonna go ahead and put you on the spot. Let's I, uh, let's definitely do it. I need to check my schedule, but yeah, I would be delighted to come back and just like 100% focus on Crypticon, which I think is actually all partisan bias aside. I think Crypticon's phenomenal. I call it horror geek summer camp. You know what? Let's let's uh, let's tease this Crypticon show. Yes. By just going through my Crypticon uh, pickups. Yes. So I have I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have six six Crypticon pickups in my office in the yes. studio here. <clears throat> so the first one is that one. Which is a really cool evocative photo of what looks like some sort of like spirit slash dark entity crying or crying a river literally i think it's supposed to be a take on la llorona mm. there's a yes. movie about that coming out soon. oh i know yeah. i missed it i got free passes yesterday and i forgot <sighs> about it yeah there are some really actually la la llorona la, la uh is a very popular topic of 
Mexican horror. There are oh, like yeah. some older. I, my grandpa scared the crap out of me with La Llorona stories. That's and if you ask me, I saw her when I was thirteen years old. Holy cow! So you got La Llorona on the wall. Yeah, I'm admiring some of the other stuff you've got here too. Which one? Uh, I I'm glad you've got a House of a Thousand Corpses uh, photograph oh, or poster autographed by it looks like Sid Haig and Bill Mosley. Bill Mosley was one of my schoolgirl ah! <laughs> moments. I love that guy. And Sig was pretty. So Sig, I went up to Sig and I said, "I love your work with Pam Greer." Yes. And then he looked at me and he's like, "You've seen my movies with Pam Greer?" I'm like I've seen a few. And then yeah. he just shook my hand. Oh, yes. Like, I don't think that a lot of people know he was in a bunch of movies. That in the guy's career Pam. is just like amazing anyway. He's been doing movies for 50 years. Yeah. And it's like when you've been doing shit for that long, you're going to accumulate a, an awful lot of great stories and an awful lot of connections, like great, like six degrees of separation connections. Right. The hell with Kevin Bacon. I think six degrees of Sid Haig is pretty much <laughs> like spot on, especially if you're going pre 2000 for sure. I love, actually, I've seen House of Corpses, uh, I don't know, like three times in mm-hmm. the past year. Mm-hmm. Or I just go back and watch it. Oh, yeah. It. I have it on DVD too. So, yeah. And my DVD, yes, is autographed by Sid Haig and oh, Bill Mosley. That's cool. I was, yeah, I actually. Speaking of them, uh, I got to do the 10th anniversary Devil's Rejects panel a couple of years ago. That's 10 years already? It's been 10. Well, it was, yeah, it was 10 years as of 2015 or 2016, wow. whenever we did the the the, uh, the panel. So, yeah, I got to interview, let me see, Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, Michael Berryman, and uh, William Forsyth, uh, Wydell. They were all on the panel, and... It was, you know, my favorite uh, Michael Forsythe movie is mm -hmm. American Me. Oh, wow. With Richard James almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the white dude who wanted to be the Mexican game banger. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was his he was Richard. uh, He was uh, almost his right hand man. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great character actor. He is. Yeah. I think one of the great things about horror fans in general is we love our character actors. <laughs> we appreciate the hell out of our character actors. You know, indeed, the, the civilians can, you know, coo on about whoever is the the current, you know, trendy box office star. But, you know, when it comes to us horror fans. We know and love that 60-something-year-old dude who's the third guy on the left, you know, who's carrying the rifle. It's you know, fucking Sid Haig. It's Michael Berryman. It's whoever. Do you want to hear my take on why? Why? Is because I think that with the advent of all of these cons, mm-hmm. our characters that we like from these movies are accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, is not the way with the, like, Leonardo's and the Brad yeah. Pitt's. And yeah. They're not accessible. Yeah. Like, I'll never, ever... The closest, like, I love Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. The closest I'll ever be to Michael Jordan is mm-hmm. when I was 15 years old and he opened up a driving range near my town. <laughs> like, I'll never be able to be as close to him as I was then. But you like horror movies? There's a good chance that they're going to yeah. be at one of these cons and you can actually meet Absolutely. them. That's one of the reasons that I super love bodybuilding. Mm. I'm a huge bodybuilding fan. Mm-hmm. I noticed Schwarzenegger's on your wall. I met Arnold 
Ooh. He signed that right in front of me. Oh, very cool. But yeah, that's, uh, I have a, that's probably one of the most famous Arnold Schwarzenegger poses, the double back bicep. Yeah. But yeah, I love bodybuilding. Um, and to an extent, I love boxing because, as you can see, these are all there's a lot like, of boxing. Like none of my signatures yeah. in my studio office, I bought, I've, mm-hmm. I've gotten, I've acquired them. Yeah. <clears throat> but with bodybuilding, like if you see, uh, in my little shelf here, I have an iPad to the right. Mm-hmm. That iPad is signed with about forty of the best bodybuilders of all time. Oh wow. And actually, that's pretty funny. That's like the very first iPad that ever came out. What a trip. Um, but I think that horror provides that same feeling for a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. Where where the, we we can be attached because, hey, like that's the what's on here. I have uh, I have Pinhead right here. I have Doug Bradley right here. Oh, hell yeah. And then I have another one somewhere and on my desk here on the oh you need to see this picture of Gigi she's hot Mm. I would not dispute that assertion correct but yeah that's I think that's part of the reason that 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 we dig that yeah a whole lot I and that's I you know I I think on a broader level character actors are us more than more than I mean we all you know metaphorically it's you know collectively we aspire to be the lead or whatever uh, but i think that the relatability factor is always most present with character actors because they they most of them they look like they don't look like a generic chiseled model they yeah they exist to add texture to movies I right mean, the, the fact that sid haig is six foot plus and has this crazy ass toothy grin <laughs> shaved head you know and, and a wonderfully wild look in his eyes that's what makes him so freaking awesome if he looked like brad pitt we wouldn't be talking about him right right now, you know and the, just the way he speaks totally i love the way he speaks totally um this uh shining on vinyl yeah Jack Nicholson. So he is a he his name is oh god, what's his name? Davy Scott, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's an artist who lives on Capitol Hill. And I I I'll definitely put his information in the show notes because mm-hmm. he was diagnosed with brain can uh, with the with the tumor. Oh my gosh. Recently. And he had surgery, and he has a shop in uh, Pike Place mm. where he does this, and he does just a bunch of ton of uh, pop art. Mm-hmm. But I loved that one, so I bought that one. So it's basically a stencil of Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I like I wanted, I bought this when he before he got diagnosed. So mm-hmm. this year I'm definitely gonna buy some more. Cool. So we should. Uh, I'll definitely put that in the in the notes. Um, and then I also met the new Jason, which I liked the reboot. I don't think it was bad. I the thing the thing with the Friday the Thirteenth reboot is it knew what it was. Yeah, it knows what it is. I like the fact that the first twenty minutes before the 
the credit, the uh-huh. the, the title came out. Yeah. I I love that. Yeah, that was super cool. Yeah, I think it's I, I yeah, it, it worked for me. I enjoyed it. I see you have a Halloween thing on your wall. Who all this autographed that one? Um, so Derek Mears. Who's the other dude? What's his name? Dick Warlock. No, he's the new one. He's the Tommy Lee Wallace. No. Oh, he's the new one. He's the new one. Okay. Um. Oh, Tyler Maine. Yes. Yes. Tyler Maine. Sabretooth. Tyler Maine. It is Sabretooth. Yes, indeed. They should have used them more. I tell you. They um, should. But so do you want to know what my absolute favorite out of all of this is? What is it? Tom Slovini, Planet Terror. <sighs> Grindhouse. Yes. He hasn't been back. He was at Crypticon like seven years ago, I think. Was it seven years ago? I think ago? it was a long Did time ago. Did I get ago. that seven years ago? Uh, no, no, actually. No, it could have been because that's Grindhouse, which was like 2008. Well, seven. 2007, yeah. Thank you. It's right on the poster. Uh, so, yeah, it could have potentially been. I want to say because he was there. I didn't interview him for a panel, but he was there when I first started paneling. And I want to say it might have been 2012. So it's probably, I think it might have been like six or seven years. Holy mackerel. That's my favorite one. Time flies. That is my favorite one. I love, like, I uh, I do very rudimentary zombie makeup. Mm -hmm. And he's, uh, that's what, if I had, if I had been, 18 19 and no like if he had had his school yeah oh i would have totally gone to that oh school. who wouldn't have jesus i would have loved that that would have been super dope but yeah i like i like doing zombie makeup i'm semi good at it mm-hmm. i would say let me see i've never i've never actually engaged in that particular sphere of creative expression myself the very one of the very first things that I did on myself was zombie make of uh, werewolf makeup. Mm-hmm. And it took me six hours to do because I individually I bought a wig and then I individually oh, wow. glued little strands of hair on me, which is how they did it with Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, I time mean, lapse photography, man. It's pretty crappy. Actually, that's not even a good picture. I don't have, I don't, that's so funny. I don't even have a good picture. Well, anyway, I like doing that stuff. I'm pretty good at the, like the cuts and stuff. I'm the only male person that has a makeup kit. <laughs> and I tell my buddies, like, like, I have a makeup box. And then they laugh at me. And then I punch them in the balls. <laughs> and then this thing right here, I made that. Oh, the it's a looks like it's a wax. Yeah, with a bat and flowing blood. Yeah, I did that. It's, I made that for my wife. That's but very... she couldn't put that in her office. <laughs> and then my Day of the Dead Lady. <clears throat> I don't. Know, I bought that like maybe ten years ago. It's a very cool painting. Actually. It's in chalk from an artist. In, oh, uh, it's a chalk work. Yeah, from an artist in um, uh, Georgetown. Cool. Well, I think we should <laughs> have another glass of wine. <laughs> We're out. Oh, dude. 
This well, must have been going a while. Well, we're not out, but we're out these, at the moment. These particular bottles have been completely these, yeah, expunged. These, these bottles have been have been gone. So I think that I'm just going to go ahead and bully you into coming back so we can talk about Crypticon. I'm and down. No, this Crypticon, first of all, Crypticon does not do a good job of promotion. Yeah. I would I would actually concur with that. And it is cool that they're creating events for the different activities that you can do in Facebook mm-hmm. so that yeah. you can like be interested in and doing it. Yeah. But as far as like their videos are horrible. I haven't seen any of the ones for for this year, but they're not good. <laughs> like I could do videos that are 10 times better and I would be happy if they just gave me like a VIP pass. Which I probably should you can always, you know, yeah. I should pitch that to them. Totally. Because I don't do the VIP. Like, I don't, I'm not going to pay 50 bucks so Matthew Lillard can sign a picture. Yeah, yeah. He was a jerk a little bit. Interesting. I had an interesting, you know, I don't know if we want to get into stories, you know. I think maybe we should save it for the next time because <laughs> I have many stories. I've done seven or eight years worth of interviews with celebrities and, like, all of them have gone really well. The, the Matthew Lillard experience was very interesting. Very interesting. I think he took himself a little too seriously. He That was actually not the problem that I had when I interviewed him. No? Yeah. So the problem that I had, I'll just go ahead and say it, is that I made a vlog for Crypticon, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Way better than the videos that they made. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do a vlog where he said, and I was willing to pay whatever he did yeah and i was like but can i just do this and they said no his handler said no oh i said like i do like i i just make regular vlogs i only have 130 youtube subscribers Mm -hmm. not very many and all i wanted to do was like hey matthew lillard's silent it here and then for him to sign it and for him to say hey Mm -hmm. and he had two uh people that were running interference for him mm-hmm. <clears throat> and as soon as they saw my camera out they're like what are you planning to do with that and they i told them what i was gonna yeah. do and they're like no i'm like okay and then i just didn't do it yeah and like that's like come on yeah you're matthew lillard <laughs> well anyway did you notice this <laughs> did you, you talk about the light the light switch plate yes Yes, with the with the stitches in the flesh. Yes. It's quite lovely. I Is do it? like it. Okay. It's pretty awesome. Well, <clears throat> Tony K, thank you yes. so much. This is probably one of thank the most shows me. I've ever done. Like one of the longest? No. One the of the f- most, most fun? fun. Good. for Likewise, man. Likewise. It is one of the most fun shows I've ever had. And... We still have like a ton to talk about. Oh God, I know we haven't even scratched the surface. This whole now. the whole point of this was like I wanted to do a beginner's guide to Crypticon, help them out with a little bit of what yeah. uh, of what they're doing. Yeah, maybe they can. Oh, if they sponsor the. <gasps> do you have pool at Crypticon? <laughs> Alas, I don't really. Why not? You're going to be on. I'm on like I think eleven panels this year. Oh, I've done my research. <laughs> I'm flattered. No, you're, you're right. right. Eleven. 
Holy cow. You are on correct. 11 panels. You are on. And that's a low number. In you're past years, I've with... done like 18 or 20 in a weekend. Yeah, I was expecting more. <laughs> what are you doing? You're taking the weekend off or what? <laughs> you're doing this huge X file. That's probably the most important one. I am. Yeah, I'm really. Well, I mean, yeah, it's I think it's the one that is probably going to be like the the biggest one in terms of audience reception that's the one that i'm sure i'll be do you know something i've never seen one episode episode ever no that's crazy i've never seen i was a little too young i was well it's interesting because i was that way with twin peaks until a year ago i hadn't seen a single episode i've eaten at tweed's cafe multiple times (laughs) i've never seen twin peaks either yeah but I've never I, even I, seen the movie. I I've mostly caught up with the series. I've got a little <laughs> bit more of the second season, but I actually up until a year ago, I had only seen one episode of Twin Peaks. This is only an hour. May fourth, one to two. Oh, I know. I know. You need like three hours. I tell me about it. I mean, it's it's four character actors, all of whom have had very interesting careers. It's one of the, one of the bummers of doing group panels. I love them. It's always fun to sit down with all the people who've been involved or many of the people who have been involved in one single movie. It's really awesome to sit down with them and pick their brains about each of their respective experiences at that movie. Yeah. But when you're dealing with character actors, as you know, they have huge ass careers and it's always fascinating to get the vantage point of a working character actor not just on the hit series they were on or the hit movie that they were in or the big movie, the cult movie they were in, but all of the other things that they've done. I mean, Mitch Pileggi, you know, he was, he was Horace Pinker in shocker. Uh, Annabeth Gish has been doing movies for how long? 30 years now. Yeah. She's excellent in haunting of Hill house. Am I going to be able to grill her about that? Probably not much. I loved Hill House. I saw that. I yeah, I love that show. I'm very curious. Well, here, as let's to what tee the... this a little bit more. So you're going to be doing the X Files. Okay. Uh huh. Barbara Steele. I. Barbara Steele was the first woman that I had a crush on and was terrified of at the same time. So she was in Black Sunday. Yeah. Was she I... the one who banged your son? No, definitely not. Um, okay. Black Sunday is not, there's no sun banging in like the remake of Black Sunday. I don't think it touched on that. Did it? No, I, there is a movie called Black Sunday, but it's like a second movie in 1977, but it's like a, it's like a, like a thriller. It's like more of like a cosmopolitan thriller with like the Goodyear blimp and then plans to bomb a stadium and all this other stuff. Um, So there's not really, it's not a remake of, of, the Mario Bava, Barbara Steele, okay. Black Sunday. But I mean, this is a woman who's who had done movies at the peak of uh, kind of the Italian gothic horror boom in the 60s. She basically told Hollywood to screw off and left Hollywood in favor of Italy. She did mm-hmm. a film with Fellini. Uh, she worked with really some of the great like Italian genre directors. Well, she was in Pen- The Pendulum. Yes, absolutely. In fact, if we want to talk about the first movie moment that scared me, the closing shot of Pit and the Pendulum with her and her eyes scared the living shit out of me when I was nine <laughs> years old and it was a Friday night and I was watching Nightmare Theater in the late 70s 
on TV. She's, I, I, yeah, and she's, I just think that it'll be a fascinating interview. You know, we're talking about 50 years of horror history. There. Okay. I'm excited for that. Me too. And she was in Piranha too. Absolutely. And then you got, uh, you got some like allyship in horror. Yeah. That's kind of, I, I, that's sort of the welcome, the welcome mat for, I think, newbies is what I think that panel is intended to be. You know, I met, so Lee and David Zuber, Uh I love them both. Yeah. Mega. Me too. We're super great friends. They come over relatively often Mm -hmm. and we met them at Crypticon like five years ago. That's super awesome. Yeah. Then I think I'm going to go to this one. You're also doing essential horror movies. Everyone needs to see. Yes. I, what's nice is, uh, and this will coalesce nicely in, are we really going <laughs> to, we we're doing a whole other episode right now. Well, this is uh, the teaser. Yes. This so is So give teaser. me a, a four sentence summary, a uh, four sentence summary. Uh, there are essential horror films that you know about, and there are essential horror films that you don't know about. Yes. And we want to cover as many as possible in that hour long panel and the one that okay i have to add it to my eye calendar is the most shocking and disturbing movies of all time that should be absolutely oh wait you're not i'm not on that panel though i'm i'm hoping i don't have a panel opposite this one's at nine yeah 9 p.m on on the third or set yeah on friday you should be on that one i'll have to check and see if i'm on one i tend to everyone's gonna say a siberian movie Oh, a Serbian film. Serbian yeah. film. Yeah. That's not, I mean, you know, that's not the only disturbing movie ever made, thank, thank well, heavens. What, okay, give me, since you're not on this one, what is your most disturbing I, You know, I mean, there are a bunch of them that I would. I don't think I would, you, it's hard to do a whole movie. Like, there's disturbing yeah. scenes. Yeah. I mean, I, the you know, overall tone, I think, is something that, that they're kind of trying to reach for. As far you know as. What? You know what would be a good one here for the most shocking and disturbing cartoons of all time? Would be. Big Mouth. Big Mouth. On yes. Netflix. Yes. Okay. Shocking and disturbing. Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> I was bored. <laughs> I I had I had the the good fortune, quote unquote, of seeing that during a less jaded time when it completely smacked me upside the head. Yeah. Because there's some there's some heavy shit in that movie. It's uh like I, I would think that like I don't know like hostile I think rates a tad bit higher than that one. I well for modern I I yeah I mean there are definitely disturbing elements in it but I think you get pulled out of it because I think it kind of loses that shit like a like a tourist in Mexico with Montezuma's revenge uh, <laughs> for the first one yeah the first one about halfway through. Really? Ironically. The second th- one did that to me. Yeah. That, the I, third one was just unwatchable. I haven't even seen the third one. Have no desire to. Yeah, my thing with the my thing with the first one is I think that the first third of it is brilliant. And ironically enough, I think that when it starts to kind of go off the rails is when it starts to get really bloody, when the violence kicks in heavily. Yeah. Because at, and then you get into that whole like it, it's well directed and it's fast paced, but you get into all that like goofy sort of action movie chase movie stuff at the end you know with the with the japanese woman and it's like why why she jumps in front of it you know probably why i like that movie is because i'm a huge howard stern fan (laughs) believe it or not 
I I love old Howard, not new Howard. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 mainstream now. Yes, yeah. I liked it when he was making fun of lesbians and Mexicans and midgets and ah. I love that. But Eli Roth was a guard for Howard Stern doing the the filming of Private Parts. Whoa! And he was writing Hostel during that. Wow. And he would talk to Howard about it. What a trip. That's I why no I like it. Because there was a connection to Howard there. What a trip. I had no idea. And Howard would talk about it. He's like, yeah, I have this kid. who's like <laughs> bothering me <laughs> about his dopey movie. <laughs> Are you, you know, you're, you're not a Howard? You're not a Stern fan? I haven't listened to a lot of stuff. I mean, I think he's, I think he's far more intelligent than he's been given oh, credit he's, for. He's super brilliant. But uh, yeah, I just have never gone down that path. Oh, I just, I used to listen to Howard, you know, eight years old on the drive to school. Oh, wow. And he was body of childhood. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So I got, I'll I'll talk about this for, I'll talk about this for two minutes. (laughs) So one of the big things about Howard did not take himself seriously at all. Mm -hmm. Super self-deprecating. Yes, he is. And that is perfect for a young kid. Because that is completely contrary to how things are now. Yeah. Where like everything is super serious. Everything is life or death. And you have like, if you don't get validation, then you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. But when I would listen to Howard, he would talk about all of his insecurities. He would talk about how, I mean, his big thing was like he had a little wiener, which just yes. TV, which was just snowballing. I seem to remember too. the terminology hung like a pimple yes. coming out of him. Yes. But as a kid listening to this and thinking, okay, this guy is laughing at himself, not taking himself seriously, but at the same time is like super popular, super successful because every partially because convers- he's opening up to people. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was pretty much paramount to me. Not taking <laughs> criticism uh, seriously, not taking myself seriously, which is so f- okay. Uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll pontificate on this a tad. <laughs> so I've been doing this show. We're past the two minute mark. We point. are. I'm okay with that. <laughs> this is going to be a two parter, but I'm still going to make you come back. I know we've we've talked for two and a half hours, and I think. 15 minutes of it's been cryptic. <laughs> it's been so easy though. Hopefully you're having fun. I'm, hey, I can't complain. I'm having fun chatter. I'm drinking great wine. Uh, it's all good. Like I don't want to script these. Like, yes. The, I, I try to like I've early on, like the very first one, mm-hmm. the one that you said that you listened to where we talk, where Dan and I talk about creativity. Yeah. yeah. I scripted that out. That was oh, horrible. Wow. I did not like how that turned out at all. <laughs> and I think I've scripted a couple other ones. And then I just realized that's not how I work. At least mm-hmm. not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe at some point. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to be a little bit more uh, careful about that. Yeah. But that's just not my personality at all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anyway. I forgot what I was going to say. There was some pontification that was about to occur. About what? It was going to be two minutes. 
about the whole Howard thing. Yeah, I think there was something, some sort of lateral detour towards Howard Stern. I love the guy. Yes. He went soft, though. <sighs> That's what always happens, though, man. They start out dangerous and <coughs> and envelope pushing, and then they become the main. Well, it stream. lasted twenty plus years. That's a long time. Although, man. have you? Uh, so, um, Letterman, yes, has a Netflix show. Yeah, I've watched a couple episodes. Yeah, the uh, my next guest. My is. next, yeah. So Howard was one of his episodes, and Howard had a huge beef with Letterman. Oh wow. Uh I mean, Howard's always hated Jay Leno. I would agree. I'm not a big Jay Leno fan. I like Jay. (laughs) That's my Jay Leno. That's a pretty good Leno, actually. (laughs) (laughs) At at least insofar as I care, because I'm kind of not a Jay Leno fan. But Uh, I love his car collection. Yeah, I can't argue with that. He's got some nice motorcycles too. Oh, plenty. Hell yeah. He's just a smart dude. He has not spent any of his Tonight Show money. That's why he's worth a gazillion dollars. Mm. He's spent. He's only spent the money that he's made touring on his comedy shows. Jeez, must be nice to have that kind of disposable income. Now. You know, we should probably talk about that. Did you hear that Russell Wilson got a hundred and forty mil? Yes. What do you think about that? I'd like a piece of it. <laughs> I'm a, you know, that's I, I'm the wrong person to ask about that stuff just because I, you know. But are you going to say, oh, we could have spent that much money on, you know, how many tiny homes you could build with one hundred and forty million dollars? Well, I would I would definitely agree with that assessment, considering the amount of money that I live on on a year to year basis. But, I, you know, the thing is, it's the market. This guy is huge. Yeah. This guy is a linchpin on the team. And this guy, you know, this guy this guy is one of the reasons they net the revenue that they do. So, exactly. you know, I can understand that. So what I've been doing, I don't troll. <laughs> but I trolled twice with all of these. Uh, who did it? Like the new I don't know, news posted it or someone. And yeah. you have all these people saying like, oh, he's so greedy. You know, like $140 million, you know what that would do? I wrote, you know what? I wish I was as good at something that someone would pay me $140 million. And I still wouldn't give any of that money away. I would keep it all. (laughs) That's what I would do. I'd be like a bad rich cool. person. I would be a terrible rich oh. person because I, I kind of, <laughs> I, I, you know, and I think this is gets back to the whole self promotion thing. I, I'm not motivated by money. I'm really not, money and I know stupid. I should be because no, I, you know, there needs, you know, moderation in everything. But yeah. I, I've never been motivated by money. If I were, I would be less impoverished like, than I am right now. But I'm, I'm not either, although. Since my wife is in the next room and she's probably listening, she's probably saying, I wish you were probably a little bit more motivated by money. But I just, I, like, I've never made a gazillion dollars. Mm -hmm. But I was in software sales for a super, super long time, like 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're semi-decent at sales, 
especially tech sales. Yeah. And if you've been doing it for 10 years, if you're not making a nice amount, then something's wrong. You're not. Yeah. You're not <laughs> cut out for the job, basically. But it's just dumb. <laughs> it was just dumb. <laughs> Again, if hopefully my wife is asleep and she's not listening. It's so much like it's not worth it. Yeah. It, it, it's just not but if i could play something like if i could i don't know play darts someone would pay me a million dollars i'm a great dart player damn it where's the where's the where is the uh n d l the national dart League? the national dartist like i could play with irish people i could probably beat them boy if you could take out an irishman at darts then you must be something special like that what the corn. hell <laughs> this way latin lad he's totally taking it out that's so funny i used to have a boss that we would go drinking and he would flat out he would hustle me no wait he would use me to hustle people playing darts oh really you were the ringer i was i'm good at darts i'm super good at dark. cricket i will murder anybody oh man in cricket playing playing darts I don't know why. And then I have this really unorthodox, like most people throw darts like this. Mm-hmm. I throw it like this. Also kind of from your, from your chest. Yes. Sort of angling slightly upward. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good at darts. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somewhere along the lines, there was some pontificating that was related I to something else. I forgot what I was going to say. I pontificate a lot. That's okay. It's it's your podcast. You can pontificate if you want. That's to. right. But this is going to be a two two. It's going to be epic, man. It's like the Lord of the Rings. Of Are you going to share this? Man. Am I going to share this? Of course, I'm going to share. You this. have a pretty strong following. I do. I you do. <laughs> oh my god! I I had never really thought about this like that. You do have a a a, a strong following. I wow. I yeah. I mean, I I do a little something on Facebook every now and then i know people follow people listen wow i never thought of that they do that's what i'm saying it's like that's why you uh that's why i was asking who your arch nemesis is i yeah. so i could have him on later yeah there you go <laughs> i i you know i mean part of it is just i mean you know i say this without a the least bit of like self-aggrandizement but i'm a really nice guy you are I and I'm not saying that as a, as something to be self-aggrandizing because it's really damned annoying and it gets me into trouble. But I'm kind of an inherently nice guy. It's like sort of my second nature, and so I don't tend to accumulate a lot of enemies. I don't tend to make a lot of enemies. I don't tend to inspire. Uh, I don't tend to find myself being an enemy of people. So, but yeah, I I'm wow. I'm intrigued that I. You know, yeah, I mean, it's if you've been writing for a while, if you've been doing stuff like this, for you a just while, have to you kind of I mean, I, uh, uh, you know, it's a ripple effect. You know, you write something favorable about a band that you love. That band has a following. They read what you've written. You know, maybe they're able to use whatever you've written for pull quotes for their PR stuff, you know, and it's a ripple effect. So, people, right. you know, it's not anything about what an astonishing taste maker i am as much as it is i just like what i do and 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 it shows organically people will 
No, I've kind of uh, clue it. Every panel that I've been on that you're doing, people are mega invested and enthralled. Mm-hmm. Did you do the uh, Clint Howard panel? Yeah. Oh, that was a favorite one. Yeah, I loved interviewing him. That was super cool. He was so awesome. That guy, speaking of great, again, classic character actor, you know, he <laughs> definitely is not cut from the leading man cloth. I think he'd be the first person to admit that. But man, it's like he is maximizing in his own way the Howard name. Yes. Yes. And yeah, yeah. The, it's it was super cool. It was super cool. It was super cool hearing him talk about the stories of him. Like it is, he talked about his dad more than I think that he talked about Ron. Quite a bit. Yeah, yeah he yeah. talked about his dad a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love that one. That was super good. I was okay. We're done. Okay, because we you're gonna come back. I would be delighted to come back because we do. I really do want to have the noobs guide to Crypticon to Crypticon because it's a big event. Lots of panels, lots of things to do, lots of movies. Actually, I love the the short festivals. Oh, yeah, I know. The shorts festival is awesome. I love those. I got to help judge some of that today or, or this year. That. How so. do I do that? Uh, get me in there. <laughs> do you get a DVD? <laughs> no, I don't. They just send us digital links. Is so. it that one dude? He's yeah, like, it's that one dude. He has a belly. It's that one dude. I uh, Maybe you're talking about Eric Morgred. He looks he, like a businessman. There are a few people who are very businessman looking in the higher ups of the of the of the convention. I get so we're gonna be though there the two nights this time because mm-hmm. I always miss I always miss it. They have a lot. They have good ones on Friday. Yeah, and I miss the Friday ones because we don't go Friday. We usually go Saturday. Saturday, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we're gonna be there uh, both nights this time. Yeah, I love those shorts. I love the one about the gay kid vampire. That was pretty funny. <laughs> there are a lot of good ones this year, too. A lot of really good ones. Oh, It's a good selection. How do you get me in on judging those? I, You know, that's the thing. I am like, again, you know, self-promotion and getting connections. I'm really lousy at these things. At least I never, I never thought of the fact that I was networking when I would talk to somebody and enthuse with them about something I was doing and then write about something that, that, that they had done. And then next thing I know, I guess I've got a friend who does X and Y and Z and all of a sudden, well, there you I'm, go. I'm networking you are. without realizing it. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a very not quite adequate source of, well, not yet. Connection stuff. You yet. are just not yet. <laughs> you need a Mexican friend. Thank you for being. Actually, my Mexi I message you saying you need a Mexican friend. Yes, a Mexi friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am glad to have a Mexi friend. Like Taco. Uh, there you taco go. Taco Times Mexican. Yeah, friend. I'm. I was a little disappointed that there wasn't some Rancho Bravo action going on tonight. I ate too much. Ah. Okay. No, uh, we actually had a uh, uh, tater tot casserole. <laughs> which we didn't make but we have <laughs> but if you come <laughs> i'm uh, civilized <laughs> you're cultured I'm cu- that's fine cuisine dude that's Later. fine cuisine <laughs> okay we're done for we're done for right now thank you so much for listening i didn't tell people you need to subscribe share like review i have a donate button on this page oh cool no one's donated yet (laughs) hey 
there's always a first. I need I need a new one of these. So if people would, uh, no one saw what I pointed to, but you pointed to your my mixer, super high tech <laughs> mixer. Yeah, that's which the best. is not quite super high tech well, enough. That's the best nineteen seventy three. the need for some donations. I mean, it works, but like I want to. I need something a little new. So if you click that like button on the donate, that would be awesome. If you click that donate button, that would be awesome. But <laughs> if not, I will be uh, equally as happy with a sub- if you subscribe. Every one of Tony K's fans, please subscribe to the podcast. Both of you are the greatest. That's right. <laughs> Send me an email. Uh, CZmediapodcast at gmail.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, or the website. Most people listen from the website. Interesting. I do it via iTunes. So. Do you? Yeah. Uh, iTunes was being uncooperative for a while. It took me about 15 hours to figure out what was wrong. You're not the first podcaster who's told me that. It was. It's. I kind should of be a bear. on that podcast panel. <laughs> <laughs> And it was so dumb. You know what it was? What? So what was happening is that I was posting new shows and they weren't showing up on iTunes, mm-hmm. but they were showing up on Stitcher. It was when you upload files to iTunes, they do not want any special characters in the file name. And what oh. I was doing was I was putting 24-TonyK.MP4. Mm. Yeah. That dash was messing everything up. Jeez. So I was about 25 shows in. I had to go back, re-upload everything, take all of those special characters out, and then boom, everything works. <sighs> Only for iTunes. Jesus. I spent tons and tons of time. There's about 20 emails back and forth between my podcast provider and iTunes, and they're each blaming each other of why it doesn't work. Of course. Which is typical yeah. tech support issues. Yeah. Well, anyway, I should definitely be on that. You should sit in, offer some <laughs> feedback, man. <laughs> if I did do that, my friend who taught me everything, he would be so mad. <laughs> He'll be like, you didn't know anything before I told you what it was. You are nothing before me. Like, that's right. That's why I take stuff and then I become an expert at it. Like, that's a whole thing here. It's a very uh, delicate balance. Okay. Tony. <laughs> but we diverge. <laughs> this is going to be a two-parter. Thank you, everyone. Uh, sir, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, I sir. so greatly appreciate it, and I am so looking forward to the next conversation where we actually talk, talk about, about CryptoCon. Crypto-Con. And we have to do it before uh, CryptoCon is, yes. is going. Yes. <clears throat> We've got a couple of weeks yet. So. We'll do. Uh, but thank you everyone for listening subscribe like I said and we'll see you again ciao adios